Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to to Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, this is Ruth from Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. In the last episode, we talked about overwhelm and how we don't want to normalize overwhelm because overwhelm might really be telling you that there's something else wrong, or it might be a red flag and a warning for something else. And so we really want to take a look at those things and figure out how can we take care of that so overwhelm doesn't begin to be a constant thing that we're feeling in our life. Because I think we do feel overwhelmed here and there, but when it becomes something that you're feeling consistently, that's when we really want to take a look at it and see what's really going on. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, go ahead and listen to that and then join us back here. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how do you manage overwhelm and what are some key strategies that you can implement to overcome this feeling of overwhelm. But before we jump into today's episode, if you haven't already left a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you would take a couple minutes to do that. We read every single review, and it really does help get our message out there to those that need to hear it. So if you've heard anything through our podcast that has helped you or been beneficial for you, we would love if you would take a minute and rate and review our podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. So the first thing we're going to talk about about managing overwhelmed is how to prioritize. And one of the things we talked about last episode that can be messed up when you are struggling with overwhelmed is it can negatively impact your decision-making abilities. Now, when you're feeling overwhelmed, it's going to cause you to want to do your easy tasks first. But the problem with doing your easy tasks first is that it's eating up your energy. And the more difficult tasks, even though they're not maybe as desirable to do, those are the things that you want to try to front load first because it's going to require a much larger chunk of energy versus just like answering an email, doing something small or easy. You don't want to waste your prime energy on those types of tasks because then when it comes to doing the really difficult things, you're going to be kind of hung out to dry. Now, I had this really tough experience my senior year in college where I had kind of gotten a little bit of bad advice from my student advisor. And instead of having a nice, easy senior year, I had a crazy senior year. I ended up having to take 21 units my senior year. And so like I was just going crazy with all of the stuff that I had to get done. It was at the end of the school year. I had finals. I had papers. I had projects. I had my senior project that I had to get done. And I remember coming into the last couple of weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, like I've got to sit down 
and I've got to write a schedule for what I have to do, when it has to be done, because I'm not going to be able to keep all this stuff in my mind. And this is actually the first time I can remember ever having written out a schedule for what I had to do, because I've never had so much that had to be done in such a short amount of time. And I remember it was such a detailed schedule. Like I was even like, I'm going to spend three hours doing this. Then I'm going to take an hour nap. Then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to work uh, for 45 minutes on this thing. And then I'm going to go back and work for 20 minutes on this other thing over here. It was a very detailed schedule. And it was probably the most stressful experience of my life because of just how much was crammed into those last couple of weeks of my senior year. Now, fortunately, I was able to get it all done, but I was able to prioritize the important things, what needs to be done now, what is maybe a lot of work, but I just have to get these other things done first before I start on that thing. And I was able to successfully get that done. But if you're feeling this sense of overwhelm, what you really need to do is stop. And I know you don't want to stop when you're feeling overwhelmed, but stop and look at what is all that I have to do. What needs to be done now? What can be left off to later? What are my most difficult projects that I have to do? And I want to try to do those first that are in the timeline to do now, and then do the little things that need to get done a little bit later, or intermix them when you need a little bit of a break from something more difficult that you're doing. Like, oh, I just need to do something easy for a second. My brain's burned out, and then answer a couple emails, and then jump back in. But really setting up that prioritization is very important towards you being able to get things done. Otherwise, you're going to stick in a bunch of unnecessary, easy things and then never get to the big things. And I think another thing that happens is when you do the easy thing first, you know that big project is looming. And so that's kind of always in the back of your mind. And it does take up energy thinking about it and even doing things to avoid that. And so if you could get it done the first thing in the morning, you don't have that in the background looming over you. And then you can fit into the smaller slots of time, the other smaller things that need to get done. The second key strategy to manage overwhelm is to break tasks into smaller steps. So when you look at a larger task, everything can be more manageable when they're broken into smaller, more achievable steps. And I think one of the things you may be wondering is how small should I break it down to? You should break it down to the smallest bit that you have to in order for you to be willing to start it. If it's too big of a chunk and you're like, no, I, I can't do that now, then break it down into something a little bit smaller. So even the first thing you could do is break it down to gather all the supplies you needed. Maybe that's just one thing you're going to do in this time frame so that it prepares you well and you can get that bigger task done. And I think one of the big things about starting a task, too, is the fear of all the effort that you have to put into it. And so once you get started, once you've allowed yourself to break it into a small task, a lot of times what you'll find is you will end up doing more than you had originally anticipated because the biggest hurdle was actually just getting started, just taking the first step, as opposed to just being stuck in the conceptualization phase where you're just thinking about it in your mind. And this is something, too, that Tim and I can walk you through with our coaching program, where if you just have a big thing coming up and you just cannot figure out how to do it or you feel overwhelmed, then let us come alongside you and help you with this because we can help you break down these tasks so that they do seem more manageable and to figure out, okay, what's my next step? Because sometimes things feel so big that we don't even know where to start. And a lot of times that's what happens. We'll go into time management a little later but a lot of time is wasted when you're figuring out, what do I do next? What do I do in this time block? 
But if you have it all laid out, then the next moment that you're working, you already know what to do next. The next thing is to set realistic goals. Now, this is a funny thing that I always struggled with when I was in school is reading. I'm a slow reader. I have a little bit of dyslexia. And so a lot of times I'll have to reread something or I'll get stuck on a word and I'll be like, what is that word? I just don't recognize it. But then after a while, suddenly my brain will get, it's like, oh, I know what that word is. But I always dreaded reading because it would take a long period of time. So I'd always want to put it off. So I would sit down and I would see, okay, here's the due date for this reading. Okay. If I start reading today, I'll only have to read 15 pages a day. Now for me, sitting down and just reading 15 pages can take me a long time. But then I'd be like, well, it's only 15 pages. I'm tired. I don't want to do it today. And so then I would kick it down the road a little bit. And so I'd skip a day. Okay, well, now instead of reading 15 pages a day, now I have to read 20 pages a day. Or if something comes up, oh, I can't do it now. So then now it's 25 or 30 pages a day. And now it's starting to get to an unrealistic point where it's like, oh, now I'm really not going to be able to do this very easily. It's going to take a lot longer and the amount of information I'm going to absorb because I'm reading so much and I do it so slowly is going to be dramatically decreased compared to if I stuck with a more realistic goal where it's like, hey, I can't skip today. I got to read these 15 pages because reading 20, 30, 40 pages in a sitting just doesn't work very well for me. And so one of the things you have to know is like, how do you really operate? Could you sit down and could you read an entire book within like four or five hours? Some people can do that. That isn't me. I have to know I can't do that. But knowing yourself and saying like, have I ever actually been able to achieve what I'm putting up as my goal? And if the answer is no, you shouldn't set that up as your goal. You should stop and think, what is something reasonable that I could do? One of the things I always like to do with kids when I work with them, especially when they got like books to read or projects, I'm like, hey, as soon as that has been assigned to you, you're going to start working on that 15 minutes every single day. And it doesn't matter that that's not due for three months. Every single day, you're going to do it for 15 minutes until this project is done. And the reason why I do this, because most of the time kids, they end up doing their project all in the day before it's due. And it's awful for the parents and it's awful for the kids. But as opposed to just setting it up where it's like, hey, I'm doing a little bit and I'm starting it way early. So I have to hardly do anything. And even if you start it several months early, if you're just working on it 15 minutes a day, you're probably still going to finish it like a month in advance. You're going to finish it so much earlier and it's going to be so much easier for you when you do something like that. Yeah, and that's a great tip. And that goes into our next key strategy, which is time management. When you're looking at time management, timers are a great thing to utilize in this. Like Tim was saying, set 10-minute timers, 15-minute timers to get things done. Actually, today, I was just telling my daughter, hey, just work on your paper for 10 minutes. And a lot of times, she'll get started on it and go past that 10 minutes. And you can use these timers in anything, in decluttering, in cleaning, in beginning to work on a project. So definitely use those timers. And time management really goes into key strategy one, which is prioritization. Because in order to use your time wisely, you need to make sure that you're doing the most important tasks and focusing on them first. Or that at least you have a place written down in your day that this is a scheduled time that I'm going to work on this really important task. And there's a lot of different time management tools out there that you can use. I love to use time blocking and we have different task management tools that we use. But this is so important because like Tim's saying, it seems like, okay, in a month, I had this project too. I have a lot of time and we put it off, put it off. And then it begins to feel even more overwhelming as it gets closer and closer. It's the same thing in other areas. Like if you're trying to 
you know, reach a weight loss goal. It's easy to say, okay, I want to reach this by the end of the month. I have a lot of time before I get there. So it's okay to slack here or there. But when that last week comes and you're like, oh my gosh, I still have 75% of my goal that I still need to hit, then you begin to feel overwhelmed. And that's where the second strategy of breaking tasks into smaller steps also really ties in with time management. Because when you're breaking those tasks up, you want to also put a time to it. So if I'm working on a large paper, I want to make sure I have the outline done by the second day. And then I want to make sure I have the first paragraph or the first page done by the first week. And you want to look at the overall goal, how many pages, how many things you have to do, how many pounds are you trying to lose, and then work it backwards. And that's how we do our homeschooling planning as well. I look at the end of the year, what am I trying to work through? What curriculum am I using? And where do I need to be? And then I just break it up based on how many weeks we have. And then how many days in the week do I need to work on that specific subject? And we just work backwards. I see the bigger picture and then we manage our time that way. Another great time management strategy is to use those pockets of time throughout your day. Because a lot of times I think we don't get things done because we just kind of have this perspective of, I don't have an hour to sit down and get this piece of the project done, or I don't have an hour to sit down and read this book. But you have five minutes throughout the day. And maybe you're at the DMV and you're waiting to be called. If you look around, what are most people doing? They're on their phone. They're just pulling out their phone and they're just kind of passing the time. Maybe some people are getting work done. And it's okay to kind of pass the time sometimes. But when you have a lot of things to do and you feel overwhelmed, these pockets of time are really great spaces to be able to get little things done. Read the book that you need to read. Maybe send a quick email or call a friend that you've been meaning to call. Or maybe write a note to someone. And some of this means you need to be prepared ahead of time. And it just means to have the book in your bag and just have some note cards or note paper with you so you can send out that note. Or maybe you have to review a contract, print it out and bring it with you. But over the next week, kind of be aware at how many times you pull out your phone and you just kind of do it out of habit without really thinking. And if you could just use that same amount of time and pull out the book that you've been wanting to read and read a page of it or read for the five minutes that you're waiting. Even though you've read only a page, it's still a page more than you had done before. So that consistency, even in smaller pockets, is going to get you further than waiting and waiting for an hour slot of time. Especially if you're already busy and overwhelmed, you don't have a lot of hour or two hour slots on your schedule already. And so really utilizing these pockets of time throughout the day can help you to push that needle forward. And I really think this is an overlooked tool that especially now with having our phones on us all the time, that if we can just break that habit of mindlessly grabbing our phone and doing this instead, it'll make a big difference. The next thing is to delegate. If you really struggle with perfectionism, this might be a very difficult thing for you to do. But when you're delegating, you're trying to take tasks that might be too much for you and then spread them out so that it's easier all around. I remember there came this one point where I just absolutely had to delegate. I could not do everything on my own. Ruth had taken our oldest daughter and they went on a trip to California and I had the younger four stay home with me. And when it came to mealtimes, I just could not make the food and clean up the kitchen 
after four kids all on my own because when we have everybody eating, it can kind of end up being a disaster. And so I ended up having the older two who are still with me, they had to help out with the kitchen chores. So they had to like clear the table or they had to vacuum the floor and then I would do and put away the dishes. But when I wasn't doing that, it was just too much for me to manage all on my own. And then when Ruth came home, we made it, okay, the older three, you guys are going to help clean up the kitchen after we have our meal. And then it made mealtime so much more manageable because we were delegating these tasks to our kids as opposed to just Ruth and I doing it all ourselves or one of us doing it by ourselves altogether. It just takes too much time and then it makes mealtime dreadful. But when we delegate it out, it makes mealtime much more manageable. Oh, for sure. And this is a great tool as parents. But like you said, that perfectionism can get in the way. But you have to remember that end goal. You want your kids to know how to do things, right? You want them to know how to take care of the house, how to clean the house, how to do their own laundry. And part of that is you're going to have to let go of some of that perfectionism because when they first start to do it and they're learning, they're not going to do it perfect. And you don't want to crush your spirits and make them feel bad about not having it done perfect. But you do want to have certain standards. But part of it is that you're teaching and you're training them along the way so that one day you can fully delegate to them. So we don't really use a lot of electronics throughout the week, but we do have a designated day where the kids get to use electronics and play or watch a movie. And for us, that's today. But before we had them go and do that, I told them, hey, your room needs to be clean and you need to start your laundry. And if I just told them, go ahead and do your laundry, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do that. But it's because we've worked on it over time that I've taught them, okay, bring this downstairs. This is where you put the soap in. This is the setting you want to have it on. And then they can start that, right? So a lot of it was just them helping me as I was doing it. And then they did it. And then I had them teach their sibling to be able to do it. And so now before they can do anything, they start their laundry. And then halfway through when they're taking their breaks, they switch it over. And then when they take another break, then they have to pull it out and they have to get it done. And that's been a really good routine for our family because it takes the load off of me, but it also teaches them and prepares them for the future. And I just want to read a quick verse from Exodus regarding delegation. So Exodus 18, starting at 13, it says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. So then his father-in-law goes ahead and teaches him how to delegate things out. And it says, So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. 
And so this is a really good example of delegation. And I love that part where he gives the reason why this is not a good thing to do. He says, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. And I think that's really wise to look at it and to think the things that you are doing can feel overwhelming. And so one of the ways that you can really combat that is to delegate. And it'll be beneficial for you and for your family. All right, you guys, we're not done yet on our list of these key strategies to help manage overwhelm, but we're going to stop there in today's episode. So make sure you tune in to the next episode to hear the rest of the key strategies. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.